It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— with new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. What's up, folks? Welcome in. It is Hardwood Handicappers here on Wednesday, January 31st. Uh, the end of the first month of the year already. It goes by so quickly. Um, as this time, we're all just dust in the wind, my friend. Zach Cohen, one of my uh, fellow grains of dust in the wind, alongside Kelly Bidlin with the day off. Uh, Zach, always good to talk to you, buddy. And we have to start with last night and the news of last night. Uh, I correctly guessed that Joel Embiid would play yesterday. Uh, I incorrectly assumed that he would be playing, I don't know, like at a Joel Embiid level. He did not look good uh, when he went back out there, started the game one of seven, actually left at some point, walked back to the locker room, came back in and tried to play through it, uh, but ultimately suffered a knee injury. Leg was fallen upon, fallen upon uh, by Golden State Warriors defender, and he grabbed at that thing pretty quickly. So he's going to undergo an MRI. We don't know the extent of the injury or what's going on here, but we do need to talk about this because he was already on thin ice. So we're talking about a guy who needed to miss what I think it was five games, uh, and then he was going to be eliminated from contention for MVP. And because of the injury and because of the reaction, again, we don't have any news that he's missing time, and yet the market still reacted, Zach. Nikola Jokic is now your odds-on favorite to win most valuable player at minus 120. Shea Gilders-Alexander, 3-1. to one. Luka Doncic, 550. Giannis Antetokounmpo, plus 750. Joel Embiid at 15-1, to one, and then a massive gap. So, as it stands right now, what you, would you think when you saw it last night, and what do you make of the market and what they've done here up to this point? I thought it looked bad. I mean, like, I'm not, like, one of these Twitter doctors. I don't know anything about knees. But I thought that the way he looked when he when Kaminga got off of him, I thought the leg looked a little kind of, like, limp in a way. So I thought it looked really bad. I would be shocked if he doesn't miss, you know, another five games. I think he'll probably end up missing closer to another 10 to 15, honestly. And I do think that, yeah, it, it makes sense that Jokic is now minus 120. I still think that there's value in Shea Gilgis, Alexander, and Luka Doncic, but... Yeah, I think 15 to 1 for Embiid. That, is, that honestly doesn't even seem right. Like, I just don't think there's any chance he ends up hitting the minimum. Yeah, so I, I kind of started with this because obviously the question I always like to start with these is all right, is the favorite accurately priced? And I, I think that, that Jokic should be a favorite, but I don't know if his resume 
is to the point where we're laying minus 120 in January, right? And I get it's about to be February, but we still have plenty of time left in the season, just under 40 games for a lot of these teams. And when I think that there's a lot of viable candidates here, Zach, I think there's still plenty of room for any one of these guys to kind of come up and, and surpass Jokic. So then outside of that, the question then becomes, okay, well, then who is it? You mentioned Shea Gilders-Alexander, uh, who has been absolutely phenomenal, leads the league in, in 30-point games, uh, could potentially lead the Oklahoma City Thunder to a one-seed in the Western Conference, going through a brutal stretch, which we'll talk about here coming up later because they do have a game with Nikola Jokic, you would assume uh, he's questionable, and the Denver Nuggets. I, I kind of – I'll tell you this. I feel like I look at Luka Doncic at plus 550 and go, nah. Right? Like, I don't think that computes to me. Their record doesn't seem good enough. Like I know, like I know that they've been pretty solid this year. We both kind of praised them a little bit, but it does feel like they need to be higher up in the Western Conference for him to win the award. Yeah, and like, look, he's having a a very good year if you look at it. Thirty four point seven points per game uh, to go with eight and a half rebounds, nine and a half assists. The numbers are absolutely tremendous. Uh, the advanced metrics are very good for him as well. Uh, but I, I don't know. Like when I see it, I, I want more out of the resume. Like you said, I want more out of the team itself. Uh, right now, when it comes to the Dallas, or excuse me, the, yeah, the Dallas Mavericks, they're seventh in the Western Conference, and I get like there's some noise in the West, but Zach, like we've talked about this before, there's a very fine or a very solid line right now between the four and the five seed in the West. So yeah. like, it, like it's it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, if you go on a two game winning streak, you can be the two seed. Like, no, they're well behind the rest of the Western Conference when it comes to competing for a top two seed. So I think Doncic, to be honest with you, is mispriced, which leads me back to. Uh, what is it? What's the, uh, is it the Thanos and in, uh, in MCU, right? You know, where did that all lead you right back? Yeah. There, right. Yeah. Uh, which is the inevitable Giannis Antetokounmpo at, at plus seven fifty. Like if you were to make a bet here in this market, the way that it has shifted, the way that it has looked, the fact that it is slowly becoming this four horse race. And the fact that I believe Doncic to be mispriced and Nikola Jokic to be mispriced. I, I find myself gravitating toward a guy who's floating around the eight to one range and, and doing very well statistically, albeit his team narratively is not performing very yeah, I think value-wise, like, he's the best of the four in terms of making a bet today. I mean, it's it's interesting because, you know, Perk kind of got killed for saying it, like, that Jalen Brunson would be an MVP candidate in his mind. I, I, I don't actually think he should be, but, like, it is weird to see him at 100-1, to especially considering, you know, the Knicks just don't seem to lose anymore. And if he were to continue playing like this with Randall out, like, he should definitely be a little closer to the bunch at the top. But, yeah, there's nothing really... Nothing really to be bet here outside of the top four. Yeah, I, I've got my long shot of um, of Kawhi Leonard at 150 to one. Uh, he's down to 100 to one. I think he could make a push, especially when you're talking about how he's been performing and the Clippers potentially winning a top seed at the Western Conference. Like they still could win the one seed to be uh, not out of this world. Right now they're sitting uh, what we're talking about two games back of the Minnesota Timberwolves right now. So I don't think they're he's dead by any stretch, but a long shot for a reason. So uh, that's the story here. And here's the other part. I'll ask you this. If the report comes back that Joel Embiid is actually fine, like he's not going to miss any time, like what does the market do here at this point right now? Because the market has responded, and I feel like it's going to be tough to go from 15-1 to 1 back to favorite, especially with the, the very small margin that he's got to work with in terms of games missed. But what do we do here with is it? Can I make a case to bet him at 15-1, to 1 or we just we have to know what's going on with him? I don't think so, because I think even when we spoke about this a few days ago, I was pretty down on the possibility of him being reaching uh, the minimum. So even if they say, you know, he's, he'll be back right away, I, I still think he's going to miss another five games. Like, I just don't trust him at all. Yeah, at some point this season, it would make some sense. So, all right, that's the news of the day. It looks like Jokic now minus 120 favorite to win most valuable player. 
uh, and Joe Embiid, the guy who, if the season ends today, would win it because he's been awesome, yeah. is now down to fifteen to one. Considering that uh, this mark is is slowly approaching in terms of games missed. Before we move on, let me ask you this: Is this rule stupid? Is the sixty-five game mark dumb? What do you make of this? Because I, I understand it to the point of you want to avoid rest. But to penalize a guy for missing time due to a legitimate injury is something that I think next year they've got to they've got to get to a point where they can differentiate between guys missing time for rest and guys missing time to a legitimate injury. Yeah, it's a case by case thing. Like in Halliburton's case, where I saw him complaining about the rule, like I do feel terrible for him because he actually was injured. He tried his best to come back because he wanted to reach the minimum games ended up getting injured again because of it. So I do think that in his case, it's like, yeah, you can't be penalized for a guy being injured a little bit. It's not like he's missing the entire year or planning to miss the entire year. I think that, you know, with Embiid, I don't feel as bad because there have been clear rest nights for them where they're just, you know, have chosen not to play him. But yeah, they have to figure out a way to determine, you know, the actual severity of injuries. I don't know what the solution is. Like, is it, you know, they go through NBA doctors as well and team doctors to uh, kind of just come up with the validity of, of an injury. I, I don't know. Yep. And uh, also, of course, uh, the the impact of All-NBA, right? You don't miss out. Yep. You, you don't get to an All-NBA team. Then you don't get a max contract. Like, there's a lot of different things here at play that the NBA uh, has to figure out. All right. That's where, it's, like, that's where it's dumb. Like, Halliburton yeah. is trying to come back. He should not miss out on $40 million because of this. It should be maybe like a, like a numbers threshold in terms of statistics rather than, you know, an injury. I don't know. Yeah, or, or, or maybe make it awards only 65 games and then all NBA, something different. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But I actually, I always thought it was dumb that you tied contract stuff to media voters. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this, because there's media voters who don't take it serious. There's guys yeah. who are just coming in and going, uh, I don't know, I'll vote for my favorite dude. And then like a guy is missing out on a massive payday because of something like that. Yeah, he shouldn't be messing with Halliburton's money. No, he totally deserves yeah. it right now. Uh, All right, let's take our break. It is a very deep and intriguing card in the association, so we'll come back and we'll start to break down everything in the NBA here on this Wednesday. All right, first up on the board, Zach, Detroit Pistons on the road against the Cleveland Cavaliers. Cavaliers open as about 12.5-point favorites. Totals 228.5. And and pretty much where we stand right now, differences total has been bet up to 232. Uh, Kudos to the Detroit Pistons who are playing slightly better basketball, at least by comparison to their uh, overall record when you're looking at it, but they had a six game cover streak snapped by Washington bounced right back, stayed inside of a big number against the Oklahoma city thunder. They are now seven and one ATS in their last eight games. They've won three of those outright. So the Pistons that we kind of all expected are starting to show up here. Can they show up on the road against Cleveland today? Yeah. I had the same thing written down as you uh, seven and one against the spread in their last eight. Coming off two days of rest, I think that the Cavs, you know, coming off an emotional win over the Clippers, I think that they'll be possibly let down in this spot. Uh, and these teams have already met twice this season. Both games have been decided by less than double digits. So I didn't end up playing this, but I would have no problem with anybody taking the points with Detroit. Yeah, I would agree with that. Didn't have really much here, uh, especially because I think when you look at uh, Detroit, the way they play, they like to get up and down the floor. Uh, that does bother Cleveland to a little bit of an extent, especially because they play a little bit bigger at times. So we'll see if that's going to be the case, but nothing insanely strong for me. So easy to scratch off and move on. Now, I did have something here. Los Angeles Clippers on the road against Washington Wizards. Uh, this thing opened up 11, got that up to 12. 239 is down to 236.5 for the total. So uh, this is the way I wrote about this. And you know me, I've, I follow this Clippers team. I've, I've talked about this a lot with you guys. Uh, you guys have seen this before. 
But with the Clippers, it, it's really clear that teams that have speedy guards kind of bother them, right? Like Aaron Fox has been an issue for them in the past. Uh, Manuel quickly and the Raptors stuck around in that game in L.A. When you've got guys who are quick at the point of attack and also have a team that gets up and down the floor, like that's going to be something that bothers L.A. And that really does show up in their numbers. They're an elite defensive team. But if you look at it from the standpoint of transition overall, especially off of live rebounds, Clippers come into this thing uh, 27th in terms of defensive efficiency off of live rebounds. They just don't like it when teams run against them. The Wizards are going to do that here in this game against them. Um, do I expect the Wizards to maybe stick around to this number? I think it's a possibility. But the way I attacked this sack was uh, I went over team total here for the Washington Wizards. Uh, 111.5, late minus 115. Uh, I thought it was playable up to minus 125. But I think the Wizards have the makings of a team that can't just bother them and at least have some sort of offensive efficiency here tonight. And on top of that, the middle of this sleepy spot now for the uh, the Clippers, right? You're in the midst of a seven-game trip. This is game number four. You had Cleveland last time out, a good opponent. Then you're going to continue on this road trip. Paul George is banged up. I just feel like this is one where it's going to be like one of those annoying bugs that's just flying all over you. Like, oh, we're running up the floor again. And I think that all the numbers point to this too. So it's up to minus 120 on the over. I think that's still playable. Yeah, I have nothing here. I mean, I don't hate going with the Wizards side or the total, like you said. I think that, you know, they've been a little bit better under Brian Keefe than they were under Wes Unsell Jr. They've won two in a row coming into this game. I thought that the Spurs win was actually pretty impressive going in there and winning that one. They came back in that game. Uh, yeah, and I, and I do think this is like the ultimate letdown spot for the Clippers. I know that they did lose that Cavaliers game, but it just is hard to get up for these games, especially in the middle of a long road trip. So I do see this being one that could potentially just kind of catch them sleeping. Yeah, and this portion is going to be tricky because after this, they have Detroit. So it's like you're just kind of limping through like these lesser opponents, and then you got to get up for a sneaky uh, trap spot against Miami. It's the front end of a back to back before you end the road trip in Atlanta. So it'd be interesting. By the way, I know this is an old school handicapping thought, but do we circle Atlanta on the fifth, considering that it's the last game of the road trip, seven, day, seven days with a day off in between? Do you get, or excuse me, the second leg of a back to back? Do you get a, a Clippers team that is ready to? get in, get out, and maybe when they're done in Atlanta, experience the offerings of what the, uh, the South has <laughs> offered before they head back home. Almost definitely, especially with a scorching hot Hawks team that has won two in a row. <laughs> yeah. These bastards. They got it for you, though. That's good. They're good. Yeah. I didn't mean that. I'm sorry. I, like, it's a joke. Yeah. Don't, don't send that to the Hawks. Uh, all right. Next up on the rotation, our Matador is here, so that's a good thing. The Chicago Bulls on the road against the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, three and a half was the opener at some spots overnight. Three. Uh, we're up to five with a total of 215 and a half. That is down from the opening total of 218. The second leg of a back to back. No injury report yet for Chicago, for Charlotte. In terms of the injury report, uh, Melo Ball is doubtful for this game. Looks like Mal Burgess is going to play. And then, of course, the usual names on here, like a Gordon Hayward, who's now uh, with his calf issue. What do you make of this spot for Chicago on the road, second leg of a back to back? I lean on Chicago in this game. I just think Charlotte is a completely unserious basketball team right now. I know everyone has kind of seen the video of them laughing on the bench while losing by 20 in a home game. Well, you know, the fans in Charlotte are cheering for the Knicks. That's something that, you know, is just a nightmare for any coach that I think Steve Clifford is going to be out of there soon. Uh, just a team that is just not competitive in any way, shape or form. And these are not games that Chicago really loses. I found a few trends that I liked for this game. Chicago 9-1 against the spread against teams that are being out scored by at least three points per game this season they've won those games by an average of 11 points per game over the last two seasons 13 and three against the spread versus teams being outscored by six or more and they've won those games as well by 11.1 points per game so this is not a team that loses to teams you know like this charlotte squad so i think that the bulls can probably be trusted to take care of business here i didn't really like 
the number that they were laying. I would have loved to have get a three on this or something like that. But that's that's why it's a stay away from me. But I I don't you know I don't really see them having an issue winning this game. I think so. I think Clifford walks in and begs for him to get fired. Right. I think he's yeah. like, just put me on my misery. Like I'm done here. Yep. It, it, <laughs> like the the comments that Terry Rozier had the other day too. Did you see those? Yeah. Like yeah. Like oh, you know, out there in Charlotte, we, we were just kind of used to it, and we were just fine losing. And like here in Miami, it's like the worst day in the world. And yes, it speaks to the difference in culture. Yeah. And uh, and if they fire Clifford, it's fine. He'll be back in like a year and a half anyway. <laughs> yes, correct. Absolutely correct. Next up on the rotation here is we're running through, and then we'll take our for our next break, and we'll break down the second half of the card. Sacramento Kings on the road against said Miami Heat. Heat a, a one and a half point favorite at the open total two thirty one and a half, and that's pretty much where we're sitting right now across the board. It is not going well for the Miami Heat here. I got a text the other day from uh, uh, Mitch Moss was not happy with Miami, who has come into this thing now. 0-7 straight up and against the spread. The offense has been absolutely abysmal, Zach. Um, this Terrazier acquisition, we didn't think it was going to change much for the Miami Heat, and that's clearly the case. I don't know what to do with this team because I think that we're just going to continue to either stay away or bet against them, just given the fact that, this, like, look, they're missing key pieces from last year's team. They're not a good offensive squad. They don't shoot with consistency. It's a bunch of mid-range jumpers. It's an inefficient offense. I just don't love anything about this squad. They haven't covered a game because technically it was a push against Brooklyn on uh, January 15th. So I haven't covered a game since January 14th. It's been a nightmare. I actually like the Rozier edition a little bit. I mean, nothing like, you know, significant. I do think Miami kind of will figure it out. I'm just not betting on them until I see it right. for sure. Yeah. So, and I don't trust the Kings either. So this is a complete stay away from me. I ended up playing Tyler Hero over three and a half made threes and actually made that a ladder play where I have over four and a half and over, over five and a half for like the slightest sprinkle. I just think that, you know, Hero has made at least four threes in 10 of his last 14 games. He has been one of the few consistent sources of offense for Miami. You're playing a team that is letting up, you know, I, th- I believe the second highest three-point percentage in the league this year. And I think only six teams in the league are letting up more made threes per game than Sacramento. So I do think this is a good spot for anybody on Miami then c- that can shoot the ball. Hero's not going to be shy about letting it fly. So I do think that four is a pretty safe number. I put a little bit more on that. And I do think there's a possibility we see him make five or, or, or six in this game. He's made, I mean, he's made a... Seven threes, three times this year. So it's it's a guy that can get really hot. And Sacramento, I would agree with you. Uh, they are one of uh, a few Cali teams in the midst of a seven-game road trip right now. Uh, they are on their fourth game as well. This is in Miami, and they have one four straight. They've covered three out of four, so playing some somewhat consistent basketball. Uh, but Demontis Sabonis, is he, he's coming off of what, is, what was it, like 20, 25, and like, or whatever yeah. it was, on 90% <laughs> shooting? Yeah, he had 20 points, 26 rebounds, and 10 of 11 from the four against Memphis. Um, the only time that's ever happened, Will Chamberlain, I think, did it like six times, and then it was him. So pretty big performance yeah. for the bones. Um, and by the way, I think you're right, and I want to like specify, I think the Terra Rozier edition is good. I, I think it's what they need. It's obviously just one, as we talked about when they traded for him, you're not running to bet futures. You're not ready to do anything. It's more that you're going to find that impact once you get into the postseason in a playoff series, because clearly right now this is still a team that has a lot of flaws. So, yeah, yep. that's it. All right, let's take our break. We'll come back. we got plenty left to get to when it comes to the card. i got quite a few bets myself that we'll get into. Only hit on one. And uh, one of them's coming up finally after weeks, weeks of adversarial relationships and conversations (laughs) on this podcast. We have a friendship play coming. 
All right, Jack, before we get to the friendship play, though, we do have to hit on uh, one more game. Uh, I know a lot of people are wondering, dying to see what the friendship play is going to be. New Orleans on the road against the Houston Rockets. We saw this overnight at a one and a half point spread with a total of 230.5. We're up to two with a total of 231.5. So a little bit of a, a move toward New Orleans, a little bit of a move toward the over here. Uh, Houston, as we saw last time when we uh, got to view them, uh, a do we call it like an emotional win? I would say so, right? Dylan Brooks doesn't like the Lakers. They were getting into it with Jared Vanderbilt. Uh, Vandy tried to give Dylan Brooks a wet willy, I believe, <laughs> um, which is a pretty good. I got to say, in terms of like an adversarial like escalation, I kind of really respect the just poke you in the side of the head, right? <laughs> because you're not going to get in trouble outside of getting kicked out of the game. Yeah. Like, it's... It's, a, it's a good way to initiate physical contact where you're like, dude, stop. And, you know, like it just kind of pushing them in the head. It was pretty good. <laughs> I, yeah, you're not getting suspended for a finger. Right, exactly, exactly. So what do we do here with Houston uh, in this matchup? Because I think you've got something here with the Rockets playing host of the Pelicans. Yeah, I mean, I took the Rockets on the money line. I just think that we've seen this team starting to play some better basketball lately. Uh, winners of two of their last three, they've covered in four of their last five. I think that this was just a matter of, you know, Houston got a little unhealthy, lost the wrong guy with Dylan Brooks being out a few weeks. I think that Brooks, you know, for all the jokes we make about him, he's really important to this team, really is the identity of this team in terms of, you know, Houston being a defensive-minded group behind Ime Yudoka, one that really digs in on that end of the floor. And I think that I just trust kind of what the Rockets are going to go out there and try to do in this game more than the Pelicans, who have lost four or five, uh, have kind of lost their way both offensively and defensively. I think that that defensive end of the four, which I wrote in my column, that's a little concerning to me because if you're not making Houston work offensively, you're going to have a really hard time beating them you know, on the road where Houston is an unbelievable home team. So I think if the Rockets are getting good shots in this game and you know, playing their brand of good physical defense, like this should be a really easy one for them. Yeah, I think Shingun matches up well too, right? They they do a lot of stuff with Shingun on top of the key and the elbow and yep. a lot of a lot of Jokic type stuff, and that brings Jonas Valanciunas out, so he can't really kill him on the glass or protect the rim as well. So that's going to open things up for you too, because we've kind of seen them run their offense. And how about this very quietly? So I gotta we gotta do a scientific study on this in terms of guys named in trade reports and then ultimately going off. Right. Like, so like Harrison Barnes, uh, he was named in trade reports and he had this ridiculous, like 40 point game against the Golden State Warriors. Yeah. Jalen Green has been the, the middle of a lot of trade reports. And these last few games, 34 points against the Lakers, 36 against Charlotte, 29 against Portland. Um, he's kind of broken out here. Like, it's been pretty good for him. I don't know if this is sustainable, but uh, I feel like there is a, um, a sense of. Uh, motivation when you're talked about being a trade candidate potentially. We got to look at it. You know, it's funny. I thought you were going there with Jonas Valanciunas because I just saw that the yeah. Pelicans are working hard to move, uh, you know, try to find a way to upgrade the center position. So that's where I thought you were going with that. It's funny because I also mentioned really early in the year, I mentioned a potential Jalen Green from Mikael Bridges swap as something I would like to see for both teams. And I did read that Houston made, you know, an offer of like four or five first round picks from Mikael Bridges somewhat uh, recently. And they said no, which is insane. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a whole other thing if you're talking about uh, that perspective. All right, next up, here comes the friendship play. We are recording in a different format, so those of you who love the uh, the SpongeBob music, we will not have it today. Um, Zach, you want to sing it? You know, no. uh, yeah. Our, yeah, Orlando Magic on the road against the San Antonio Spurs. Uh, this opened up five with a total of 228. Uh, we saw the market dip down earlier this morning pretty quickly. It went down to like four and a half. Uh, we're back up to five, five and a half with a total that's sitting around 227. The friendship play is on the San Antonio Spurs. I will give you the floor here, sir. Yes, yeah, so I grabbed the five and a half with the Spurs, and I also put a little bit on the money line for San Antonio. 
I just think that what we saw against the, you know, the Washington Wizards last game, that's not really consistent with what we've seen from the Spurs in the last couple of months. I think that this is a team that can really be trusted to cover spreads right now. And I also think this is a tough spot for Orlando. You know, this is their third game in four nights, which is something that you and I have both been trying to bet against almost all season long. I think that there's some fatigue factor for the Magic. And I also think this is a really tough matchup for the Magic, just in a lot of different ways. I think that Wembenyaba is going to get the best of Wendell Carter Jr. at the center position. I think that, you know, San Antonio has some wings to throw on Paolo Bancaro and Franz Wagner. And I also think that, you know, one of the places to really beat the Spurs is if you have a really, you know, electric backcourt with firepower offensively. I don't think that the Magic have that. I don't think that they have anyone that could really make this Spurs team pay for being weak at the guard position. And I think that Devin Vassell probably going to be the most, you know, consistent scoring option from the perimeter in this game. I just think this is one that I would expect the Spurs to really show up for at home. Would agree with all points for those who maybe haven't been paying attention uh, in the lineups where you have Trey Jones at point guard, Victor Wembanyama at center. The Spurs have a plus 10.2 net rating. That's very good. Uh, They're starting lineup with those two. Sohan, Vassell, Champagne. uh, I always do. I always miss that. I can't do it. I can't do it. Uh, Julian. Uh, 11.9 points for 100 possessions in which they outscore opponents. They also have a, a 108.6 defensive rating uh, in those metrics, or excuse me, with those lineups. And I, I kind of put it simply in my article too here, over the last month, month and a half, there's no way you can tell me Orlando is clearly the better team, right? Right. Mm-hmm. If you just look at every statistical return, at the very least, these two teams are somewhat equals with one another. So to sit there and say that the gap between these two is like seven and a half, eight on a neutral, like nearly, nearly what? We're talking about 10 and a half points, 11 back yeah. in Orlando. Like, I don't, I just don't think that gap is there. So I, yeah. I think that this is pretty easy to come in and back a home dog. Uh, again, I jumped on it when the line started the move. So you got five and a half, I got four and a half. And hopefully friendship is strong enough that the, uh, I think the Spurs obviously pretty likely to win this game. Outright. Yeah. I think, I think we won't have to worry. Hopefully. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was going to say, hopefully that's a very good yeah. back end. Uh, all right. Hope, hope is what I'm going to need here today. Although the market did move with me here. Dallas Mavericks on the road against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Uh, this thing opened 14 with a total of 224. We're down to 13 with a total of 219 and a half. Uh, initial inclination was to bet this under, but got priced out pretty quick, Zach. But as a result, I, I bet Dallas plus 14. Um, well, I'll put the simple statement out there first. Minnesota has failed to cover in this spot many times, right? Asking Minnesota to win by this margin against lesser teams has been an issue all season long. If you look at some of the numbers, uh, home favorites this year for the Timberwolves, 8-9-1 against the spread as a favorite overall. They're 15-16-3 against the spread. They just don't win by margin when asked to do so. They don't do it very well. And on top of that, you and I have spoken about this. You've been on this since the beginning. Look, there's no Kyrie Irving. There's no Luka Doncic. There's no Derek Lively. But when you get deep into this Mavericks roster, you get more defensive-oriented guys. You get Josh Green. You get Grant Williams. Uh, Dwight Powell, he had a scratch cornea. He hadn't been playing recently, but he is back. You'd expect a larger role for him at center. Uh, you do have some size still behind Lively. You can match up with the size of Minnesota. I, I just don't think that I'm asking Minnesota, a team that struggles offensively, that is good defensively, that struggles to win by margin, to cover 14 in a game that the total is now down to under 220. I think that Dallas is pretty live. And frankly, I actually kind of think there's a part of Jason Kidd that likes these games because he knows that he can coach up defense a little bit more and, and ask the guys that are out there to do a little bit more on that end of the floor. Not that he would roll with this squad, but I think <laughs> this is kind of a little bit more of what he kind of enjoys from a coaching standpoint. So all that being said, I grabbed 14 uh, today with the Dallas Mavericks. Ugly, but I think it's uh, I thought it was worth it at that number. 
Yeah, I don't hate you taking 14. I also think that maybe Minnesota team total under is a decent play in this game. Uh, I was happy to see. I, I liked it on Twitter last night to remind myself. I saw the Timberwolves are interested in look getting uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich from the Hawks, and I think that that, Ooh, that is exactly the type of guy we've been talking about that could really help him off the bench. Yeah, dude, that would be pretty sexy, actually. So you yeah. put him in there. You could get a little bit smaller, too, if you want, or like in yep. the day, like like your first guy off the bench, if you take Cat out, you put him out there. So you, you yep. still got Gobert at center, and you still got him and Anthony Edwards and Mike Conley. That's super, that's super switchable, good defense. You still get some yep. offense. Ooh, you're getting me excited about that one. Because <laughs> we've got our Minnesota. You, I always, you got the Minnesota Western Conference. I have Minnesota, yep. Yep, so as a, as a pod, as we're loaded up on – you know, Western Conference futures on this team. That's uh, that's a good sign. I would like that a lot if they go ahead and get that done. Uh, all right. So yes, now Mavericks plus fourteen against the Minnesota Timberwolves, and kind of oddly looking forward to the game because I do think that it's going to be a, a pretty good one. By the way, I could get something good for me here too, as Mike Conley still is questionable to play. So if he doesn't play, that's going to only hurt Minnesota. And um, you got some good minutes last time out from your guys. We talked about Nikhil Alexander Walker and McLaughlin, but felt like that was kind of a flash in the pan as opposed to. Uh, maybe something consistent. We'll see if that's going to be the case. So let's tie this into this next matchup. Part of my other logic here with betting against Minnesota was similar to, you know how like in college football a long time ago, a long time ago, like two years ago, um, the angle would be, hey, bet against the team after playing Alabama, right? Because, you know, the physicality and the, the, just the nature of getting up for Alabama is pretty tough. And then the team tends to still let down the week after. Minnesota-Oklahoma City was kind of a slobber knocker. Like we're talking about a divisional matchup, uh, for the one seed, high intensity basketball, a total of like 210 points or whatever it was, like a mini playoff game. Now both of these teams go off into their respective matchups. Minnesota, you ask them to win by margin against a team like Dallas. And then Oklahoma City gets Denver today in an equally tough matchup. Now, Jokic is questionable with back soreness, but you're talking about divisional game, one seed on the line. This is a massive contest for both teams. Situationally, I think this is a very negative spot for Oklahoma City. Yeah, I completely agree. I was actually looking at this one. I will probably add it if we know that Jokic is playing. I think that Denver is starting to really play some good basketball. I like the way they looked in that Milwaukee Bucks win the other night. Uh, I think that this is just a team where, you know, the Thunder, for as much as I like them, I've said all year that they're a piece away. This is the type of game where you really feel it, where you're playing a team with all sorts of offensive options out there. You know, it's not just going to be SGA versus Jokic. You know, the Denver's going to have Jamal Murray. They're going to have Aaron Gordon. They're going to have Michael Porter Jr. That's where I think Oklahoma City's lacking. I think they can really use another guy. Yep, uh, we completely agree. And by the way, so I, I risked this because I figured they have – Denver has a, a two-game two baseball series with Portland coming up at home. So I assumed that in a high leverage match like this, you allow Jokic to play through whatever soreness, then you give them one of the games off against Portland. So I'm kind of taking a guess, much like I did here with Embiid. Uh, But I'd also say, too, to that point, like I I loved that Minnesota-Oklahoma City game, but you did see some of the flaws, right, which was every offensive possession in clutch time is, oh, my God, I've got to get Shea the ball, and let's just try to go after Kyle Anderson. And, like, that eventually devolved into nothing. Um, The other side, too, is we talked about this – after the uh, Oklahoma City Minnesota game, Jen Holger's not playing well, and now you got to match up with Nikola Jokic. You would assume Jokic has a massive physical advantage there, and if he's not playing well, not going to contribute the way that we have kind of seen him fall off. That's only another big disadvantage for Oklahoma City today. Yeah, and I would say that you know with the Jokic thing, like I think Denver's going to win this one outright. So I, the reason I waited is because I think I'm good with laying a point and a half or two if I had to. I don't think it'll get all the way there, but if he does get announced in, you know, and it moves closer to pick him, I'm okay with that. 
Yep. All right, next up, Phoenix Suns on the road against the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, we're looking at four at the opener with a total of 230. We're down to three with a total of 233.5. Uh, injury report for the Phoenix Suns. Bradley Beal is available, but uh, I would say this is important, but you're our Suns whisperer, so you, sell to, uh, you tell me. Grayson Allen is questionable to play, so I think that's a pretty big loss for this team, just given what he provides, the spacing, all of that, uh, against the Brooklyn Nets team that's not going to have Dorian Finney-Smith, um, that's going to have Ben Johnson, it would seem he is probable, but what do you make of this matchup and the move toward Brooklyn? Yeah, I actually mentioned this to Kelly the other day. The Suns are a weird team because we always talk about the health of the big three, but I think it's just as important that you have Grayson Allen and Yusef Nurkic out there with those three. So I would be monitoring Grayson Allen's health in this game. I think if he plays, I would take Phoenix in this one. Uh, it's a spot that I kind of like the Nets, and I think I've mentioned to you guys, I'm higher on the Nets than most are, especially when Ben Simmons is playing, but I would feel... You know, I'd be more likely to take Brooklyn if they did not already get that road win in Phoenix early in December. I think this is a matchup that Devin Booker is going to get up for. I think some of these Suns players will care about because, you know, you have so many former Suns on this Nets team. I don't think they're going to want to lose to him twice in a row. And it is a pretty small number. And I just do think that Phoenix is the better team on both ends of the floor. So I do think if you have Allen out there, this is a play for me on the Suns. If not, I just stay away from it. All right. I like it. Last one, Milwaukee Bucks, Portland Trailblazers. I just got an hey, dude. This is I. I love sports and I love people who like sports. I just got an angry text telling me to veto a fantasy baseball trade. <laughs> like, oh, dude, man. it's it's January thirty first. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. I, I like the league, but holy smokes, let's, let's get to February at the very least. Uh, all right, Milwaukee Bucks, Portland Trailblazers. Uh, box open up 10, 235, worth a 10.5 total of 237 or in that range. So I'll say this uh, Portland's been playing really good basketball. They've been covering a lot of numbers. I think matchup wise, though, this is kind of a nightmare for them. If, if Portland got up and down a little, a floor a little bit more, if they ran a little bit more, uh, I would like this. But Portland's one of these teams. We're talking about uh, transition frequency overall 27th. They're one of the slower teams in the NBA. Uh, they don't run off live rebounds very much, 25.9%. As we know, Milwaukee at times has been bothered by teams who like to get up and down the floor. Bucks are playing a little bit better, too. Uh, they are healthy as well when you look at the injury report. Um, sorry, Ty Ty Washington Jr. is uh, on a two-way. Two He's not going to play today. I think the market – I was kind of surprised. Like, I initially thought – was like, I'm sure, I'm sure the market would kind of go in Portland's favor here. But given the matchup, it's kind of been static, and I understand that. I, I think it would be Milwaukee or pass for me. Yeah, I think I like the over in this game just because I still think that the Bucks' defense is a disaster. Uh, I know that you said that the Blazers don't really get out and run, but I kind of think the Bucks kind of bring that out of you. So I do think this is a game that could end up being pretty high scoring. Uh, yeah, the dog is, I don't think he's going to stop if you hear him barking. But uh, yeah, I, I, I like the over in this one. And I think that this is a game that if I had to lean aside, I'd probably go Blazers, but that's mostly a fade on the Bucks. I just, I, I need to see them play better consistently before I start, you know, trusting them, them to, to cover big numbers on the road. Boom. All right. Easy peasy. Dunzo. That's it. I uh, want to remind everybody, too, um, like, rate, review, subscribe. Zach's article is up on the website, vcin.com. Does a tremendous job there. Uh, pushes me every day to make sure that my articles are not only up, but uh, also filled with uh, content because you do a tremendous job. Also, other sports as well. What, what did I just see you write up? You had an NFL article that was up on the website just uh, this morning. What I uh, we wrote up, like, position-by-position position props for the Super Bowl. So I put up receiving props, and I put up defense and special teams props, which was a, quite the challenge to write, to be honest. <laughs> there we go. Check that out. And also, Bill 80 has an article up. It's funny. Tim the other day was like, wow, even Bill's got an article up. And I was like, well, no, but it's a good one. Uh, Bill has essentially our, end, our Super Bowl hub. So you can go check out the link. And, of course, see every link to every single article we've got. And it is absolutely crazy 
in terms of what they're going to get there. So check it out all up at vsin.com. Wow, I'm getting a lot of angry texts. Now I've got another angry text about another. <laughs> this is probably the worst trade of all time. I could, I could feel it. No, actually, I was going to say, no, this one's about, uh, this one's about something different. Um, let's see. Oh, wow. Look at this. I think we can, we say this on the podcast. They tweeted it out. Um, you and I are now, are we coworkers with LeBron James? Yes, we are. Yes. I was telling my friends, I said, yeah, between Barstool and this, I'm going to be at the water cooler with LeBron and Jersey Jerry. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. I have achieved my fa- – oh, dude. Oh, my gosh. Let's go. Now I'm a co-worker with LeBron James. Absolutely tremendous. Uh, we were talking about the fact that uh, DraftKings and uh, LeBron James have entered into a uh, partnership here. So, boom. How about that? By the way, before we get out of here, speaking of NBA stuff, because we're an NBA podcast, uh, really quick two minutes. Does Zach Cohen like or hate – the NBA draft moving to two nights. I like it because I'm because I'm an NBA draft guy. I like that it's being made a little bit bigger, and I do think that the second round there's some value to be had in the NBA. I think that you know the, what we've had in the past is kind of feels like people are waiting for it to end because it takes such a long time on that first night. So I think that it's a better idea to move it to two nights, make it a little bit more of a spectacle. You know, try to compete with the NFL in that regard. I also think they should add a round. Uh, I, I don't know about that. That sounds crazy. Um, <laughs> but I will say this, and this is my this is my conspiracy theory. You ready for this? The reason why they split this into two nights, I don't think it's a coincidence that it comes after they opened up ESPN Bet. And if they're going to do this, you better at ESPN Bet be at the forefront of a lot of NBA draft props, right? Because yeah. the only reason people are going to watch, and it's already going to be a finite amount of people who bet on the NBA draft, but if they're going to watch both nights – it's because they got something going in that second round and you better expand that menu out. Yep. That's a good call. Boom. Sweet. Simple to the point. All right. Like, rate, <laughs> review, subscribe. LeBron James. I'll talk to you in a little bit as we are now uh, uh, best friends, homies, coworkers, everything yep. like that. And uh, hopefully they trot him out. Of, yeah, he should be there at Super Bowl at Radio Row. You know what I mean? I'm going to be there all day. <laughs> Start pimping the product, LeBron. Come on. I'll give you some tips. Uh, all you right. should be on prime time on Tuesdays and Thursdays, honestly. <laughs> uh, well, I'm only on Tuesday and Friday. So oh, well, Tuesday and Friday. Sorry about that. <laughs> uh, never mind. I was going to make a, a reference. I'm not going to. All right. Like, rate, review, subscribe. We'll talk to you tomorrow here on Hardwood Handicappers. It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddie? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., 
We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.